The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. This morning at 7.42, my phone began to beep, indicating that messages were coming in. It was from a dear brother. You know, I am exceptionally blessed to have some very close friends, guys that that I walk with, that I love with all my heart. I trust them and they trust me. Well, this morning, one of these brothers wrote to me, joy is in the Lord. And he began to give me passages of scripture. Philippians 4.4, 4, John 15, 10 and 11, John 16, 20, 22, 24, John 17, 13. Then another text came. Ye believe, ye rejoice with joy. Ye believing, ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1, 8. If we are not rejoicing always with joy unspeakable, full of glory, something is off. I wrote back to him, I don't yet have that joy unspeakable. I'm asking Jesus to give it to me. He wrote back, You already have it, I think. Let it come out. Let's go for it. (laughs) I wrote back, I'm making a list of things, people, events, circumstances that I have allowed to steal my joy. He wrote back, Let the Lord cover them over. Let the Lord blot them out. I wrote back, A lack of joy is at its core simply unbelief. He wrote, Yes, look at those verses I sent you. His joy as a part of this package deal. Joy in the Lord, Philippians 4.4. John 15, 10 and 11, John 16, 20, 22, 24, John 17, 13. Yet believing ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. I wrote back, amen. A lack of joy is sin. <laughs> I'm grateful for what he said. And I did make a list, seven items that I have allowed to steal the joy from my heart. Now, I'm a joyful person. I'm a positive person by nature. But inside, underneath, there is a lack of joy because of painful things that have occurred the loss of loved ones, the loss of relationships. Seven things that I have identified that have stolen away joy and caused me great inner turmoil. 
I know that the Lord brings joy. And to lack in joy is to expect punishment. It's to fear. It's to somehow not have released into the hand of Jesus all of my anxieties. He said, roll all of your anxieties over to Jesus. Well, there's a passage of Scripture I'd like to share with you. It's found in Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 28. It's a very familiar passage. I could quote it, but I'll read it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. To be weary and to be burdened is to lose your joy. And Jesus is saying, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord offers for us to come to him and to enter into that place of rest where we cease all of our concerns about those things that have stolen away our joy. I wonder, what would you put on your list if you made a list of all of those things that have robbed you of your joy, of your life, of your, of your hope? I read about one farmer with children in the West, in the Midwest, who just recently committed suicide. He was $300,000 in debt. The crops have not come forth. They can't get them out of the fields. So he left a wife and several children, and he killed himself. His hope was gone. Without hope, we die. Well, where does hope come from? Hope comes from the Lord. Hope does not come because of our circumstances. Hope and joy are the result of something else. Hope and joy are the result of coming to Jesus, entering into his rest, and taking his yoke upon us. That's what brings us joy, and that's what brings us hope. It's entering into Jesus. He is our deliverer. Now, there are stories in the Old Testament that help us understand these things, that help us grasp the inner life of the Spirit. Many of these stories in the Old Testament deal with the outward expression of religion, of the traditions that God established for the children of Israel, the ceremonial laws. But remember, the bark on the outside of the tree takes on the shape of the tree. The bark does not create the shape of the inner tree. 
that's where Jesus moves in our lives. And he brings forth in our inner being, in our spirit. Remember, the Father wants people who will worship in spirit and in truth. And so he shapes He shapes us on the inward part of our life. And the outward expression of that, that's the story. But let me read for you a part of the story of one facet of what Jesus wanted to do in our lives. These are types and antitypes. These are things that mean much more than just the story we're reading. These rules were given for a very specific reason. Now, I want you to know that in Exodus 20, we are given the Ten Commandments. This law is still binding today. We are not antinomians. But we're not able to keep the Ten Commandments by our strength, by our power, by the outward expression. I want to turn quickly. I just want to read this for you. I'm turning quickly over to the book of of Romans. There's a portion I'd like to share with you before I go to the Old Testament. In in Romans, the eighth chapter. Let me read this for you. I'll begin in Romans, the eighth chapter, verse five. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. I want to stop just a minute and say, how does the Spirit of God enter into you? What's very clear in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God walked with his people. But under the New Covenant, Jesus said the Spirit of God would be given. He would and we would be baptized in him. We would enter into him and he would enter into us. So if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you yet. 
He's saying, if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, the question I would raise is, okay, how do we, how do we enter into Jesus Christ? What's our part in that? Yes, we have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but how does that happen? And what's our part? And I can tell you today, if the Spirit of God does not live in us, we don't have a chance. Because then we're still under the law, and the law condemns us. So, let me read this passage for you in the Old Testament and then we're going to spend some time this week talking about this. This is Exodus 20, has just given the Ten Commandments with the thunder and the lightning and the, the trumpet, and everyone is terrified. And they say, Speak to us yourself. We will listen to you, Moses, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Now, after he said all of this, he talks about building an altar to God and offering fellowship offerings before the Lord God Almighty. Then the next thing that they move to immediately is chapter 21. If you buy a Hebrew servant, and a Hebrew servant could be purchased if he sold himself, but he was not to be treated as a bond slave, he was to have certain rights, but he was to serve. He could have a wife. He could have children. While a bond servant, a doulos servant, had no right to any of those things. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife, if he has a wife when he comes, she's to go with him. In other words, he doesn't lose his wife. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons and daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her master 
and only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and my children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges or before God. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost, that is, the master or God, and pierce his ear with an owl. Then he will be his servant for life. Now this really tells us a lot about what it means to walk as a Christian, to come into the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. Now, the reason a Hebrew might be sold or might sell himself is explained in Leviticus 25, 39-40. If thy brother be waxen poor and be sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bondservant, and he shall serve thee unto the year of Jubilee. Hence the reason for the sale was debt. He was unable to pay his debt. So he might sell himself to a rich relative, an uncle, who would assume all of his liabilities. And so he could escape the shame and the imprisonment, the punishment, which otherwise might result from his poverty. Now, let's be very frank with one another. This is the true picture of the condition of every sinner. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Having committed sin, we are utterly unable to meet the claims of the moral law upon us, and we are unable to render to God the service due him. We are thereby thrown into irretrievable debt and bankruptcy in our moral nature. The Ten Commandments will pursue us with their claims, accompanied by severe and eternal penalties. The law is God's police agent to arrest the soul and to ultimately lock it up in the penitentiary of everlasting woe or hell. Every guilty, sinning soul on earth at this hour is under God's law and is on your way to an eternal jail, a jail of fire and pain. Now, we've talked about this before, but let me just review quickly for you. You don't have to do anything to end up in hell. But you have to do a great deal if you're going to go to heaven. If you simply put off the call of God on your heart and you put off 
repentance for your sin, and you continue to push off the responsibility, the day will come when it will be too late, and you will have no recourse, and there will be no forgiveness, and there will simply be the fires of hell. Now, you can live your life the best way you know how to live it. You can claim that you are following in every respect the call of God on your heart and your life. But in fact, none of that will matter in the end. The only thing that's going to matter in the end will be whether you have made peace with the Almighty God of heaven. The only thing that will matter in the end is whether or not you have settled your account with Jesus. Have you settled that account? And you have to decide. And you know right now, if you're living, You are not utterly given over to Jesus Christ. And only you know that. Only you are able to know whether or not you are utterly given over to Jesus. And so my question is, are you utterly given over to the Lord? Or is there a make-believe in your heart where you really don't know? That you really don't know where you stand? Do you know today where you stand? Or don't you know? And so, this Hebrew servant is sold or has sold himself. And now he is responsible to work for this man for up to seven years to the Jubilee time. as you get this picture in your heart of what it means, you have to come then and ask the question, how do I escape? Well, every guilty, sinning person on earth, recognizing that you are under the law, recognizing that you're in trouble, as soon as your soul is awakened to its true condition, you begin in utter despair to cry out for help. And that help comes through Jesus Christ. Now, the problem we face is that many of you do not recognize your condition before God. And so you make half measures. You half repent. 
You may go to church. You may pay your tithe. You might even be a preacher. But you know in your heart, you're not clean before God. Now, if this debt-burdened sinner, if you're one, comes to Jesus, he is immediately asked to enter into an agreement with Jesus. This is a choice you make. It is open to all men, John 3.16, for all, all. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That includes you. But it means you turn over to Jesus your immoral nature. You turn over to Jesus your full willingness to serve him. He becomes your kinsman redeemer. Jesus then meets all of the claims. He meets all of the obligations that you have created. He releases you from your fetters and from your imprisonment. And then he brings you into his house to serve him. So you serve him for six years. And this is what happens with most Christians. You come to Jesus. You serve him for a while. But then, after either a longer or shorter period, you're brought to a point of conviction. It's, it's a call of the Holy Spirit You've been getting cool. You've been turning lukewarm. You've been just coasting, just going along to get along. You've been dipping more and more into the things of the world. You've been watching the videos. You've been going to the world's entertainment. Oh, you're still maintaining some of your disciplines. You're saying they are a father or you're doing other things that are ritualistic in your life. But now the the question comes, are you really willing to totally give yourself over to Jesus? Are you willing to totally trust him? And frankly, I'm at that point again in my life. Do I totally trust Jesus? Yes. Am I fully committed to Jesus? Yes. Do I love him with all of my heart? Yes. Well, then what are these strange points of pain in my heart? What are these strange concerns that steal my joy? Well, I'll be honest with you. They're responsibilities that I've taken upon myself. And the question is, and this morning before the broadcast, I was repenting of this, and I was utterly releasing every one of these thieves 
that have stolen my joy, I've been releasing those into Jesus' hands. I've been giving them over to Jesus. Because, he said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to be constantly in the rest of Jesus. So, now the question is, are you really satisfied with this shallow walk that is largely an external walk, maybe even having victory over some gross sins? Hopefully, that when you came to Jesus, there was a change in your life, and you stopped the sexual impurity, you stopped the, the gambling and the smoking and the drinking, you stopped the fornication, you stopped the bitterness and the, the anger, but you may still have picked some of these things back up. And you recognize that the Holy Spirit is very practically calling you to the question of eternal life or eternal death again. So you're, you're brought to an inevitable choice between a present, full giving over of yourself to Jesus, not just on the outside, but also on the inside. Now, part of what I recognize is that sometimes... Sometimes we carry ourselves in such a way as we are protected, we are guarded, we don't share with anyone who we are or what we are. We're cynical, our heart's cold or or just lukewarm. Now, when this happens... I want you to picture this man who's poverty-stricken. He sold himself to serve for six years. And during that servitude, his wife, his master gives him a wife, builds him a cottage. He has a vineyard. Children are born to him. He has a beautiful little place he calls his own. But then the year of Jubilee comes. And now he has to answer some very serious questions. He is compelled to either increase or diminish his blessings. He must either get closer to his master or he must move further away from his master. He must settle the question of profit and loss. If he decides to go out from his master, he must lose all the gifts which he has acquired from his master. He loses his house, his vineyard. He loses his wife. He loses his children. He goes out. He's simply now free of debt. If, on the other hand, 
he decides to enter in to an even deeper covenant with his master. He can retain all of his blessings with the prospect of even more favors coming and being bestowed upon him. This is, in every way, a description of our Christian life. A poor sinner burdened with the debt of the death penalty comes to Jesus, is justified freely by his death, is made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Not only is the debt forgiven, but he's brought into the royal family of God who gives him wonderful gifts of grace and peace and mercy. He's given the grace of the Holy Spirit. He's given membership in the body of Christ. Now, in the years of his first love to his master, he prays, he sings, he talks about Jesus. He always wants to to lift up the name of Jesus. He serves in many different ways. He reads his Bible. He tries to win others to Jesus. But sooner or later, slowly, he begins to lose his walk with Jesus. He begins to lose as temptations come into his life and he succumbs. And then suddenly the crisis comes into his life. And what is he going to do? And now the question comes again that should have been settled at the very beginning. But the question comes again of entire crucifixion of self to be one with Jesus. What is your choice? You either come to a place where you must get much closer to Jesus and totally give in, or you will find that as you walk with Jesus, you will slowly move away from him You will become very settled in your religion, but your first love will disappear and dissipate and finally be gone. And you will come to a crisis in your life where you have to make a new decision. If you neglect the experience of the Holy Spirit calling you to a much deeper place, if you pass by it lightly, if you think you can serve God without any real focus on holiness, you will lose from that day forward the spiritual gifts. They will begin to just fade away from you and their graces will dry up in your life and you will be given back to anger. You'll be given back to bitterness You'll be given back to the television. You'll be given back to all of those things that you left behind because they had no interest. You were interested in Jesus. Multitudes of pastors 
full of the gifts of God and zeal, even brought many people to Jesus, and yet they were never willing to face the question of being entirely sanctified, given a pure heart. They thought they could get along without it. And they've gone more and more into moral poverty, turned to pornography or violent movies, turned to things of darkness. They preach the same old sermons without the early fire. The fervor has left their prayers. There's no passion in their voice. The light has left their religious perceptions. They become dull and uninteresting. And then they retire. Many of you have silenced your altar of worship in your home. You never sit down with your family for a meal. You never gather the family to sing together or to pray together or to read the scripture together. You're all much too busy with worldly affairs and with things that really don't matter in the long run. Like the Jewish servant, you thought you could take your interest, the things that you loved, you thought you could escape the jail of hell, that you could go it alone and live a normal life. and that you never had to settle this question with the Almighty God. I'm very concerned today because in my spirit as I've been praying about this broadcast, I've been hearing that what I've described fits many of you who are listening. You have lost your first love. You have drifted back into those things that you knew were wrong and were stealing your love for Jesus. Some of you, if you sit down to read the scriptures, you're going to go to sleep. You have seared your mind with the videos and the movies. You've seared your heart with things of this world. And now when you sit down to read the scriptures, it's boring to you and you go to sleep. You can't stay awake as you try to read because your heart is given to things of the world and the flesh and the devil. It's not given to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is calling after you. The Holy Spirit is saying, please come. Come, I have life eternal for you. But you're interested in shopping, or you're interested in cars or boats or motorcycles. You're interested in drinking at the club and having a good time and laughing and yucking it up. You're interested in in things that are unclean, immoral, wrong. You're interested in in furthering your career and, and taking those classes and doing everything to further your career, but you have no interest in furthering your walk with Jesus. You've settled back into the cold routine of religion that is useless to you. That's what I'm hearing in the Spirit. I'm fearful of saying these things to you because... 
I don't know you, but I can tell you what the Holy Spirit says to me. And that's what he's saying to me, that many of you have have bailed out on him. You're just going through the motions. You're dead spiritually. And now you're at the point where you have to decide, are you going to go out on your own and live your life the best way you can? Or are you going to come into a total and final and full commitment to Jesus Christ? You know, I I look at the list of things that have stolen my, my joy away. And I tell you, I'm not willing to let it steal my joy. And these things, part of them are because of bad judgment on my part. Some of them are because of serious mistakes that I've made, sometimes ignorantly. Some because of shallowness, the loss of friends or, or family, things that have broken my heart. I have to bring all of this to Jesus. It's not sin. These are just things that, that drag on me that keep me from expressing the full joy I have in my heart with Jesus. And believe me, my heart is full of joy with Jesus. I love him. I am given to him. I'm not willing that these things should in any manner cause me to have unbelief that everything is in the hands of Jesus, and I can trust him with every mistake I've made. I can trust Jesus with every dumb thing I've done. And I've done some dumb things. My dad used to say to me, Raymond, you're dumber than a rock. Well, yeah, sometimes I am. But I recognize that Jesus has invited me to enter into his rest. I recognize that Jesus has clearly spoken to my heart. And I've responded and I've said, yes. Okay, these seven things are not going to steal any more of my joy. I'm done with them. I was on my face repenting this morning. I've listed them before the Lord, and I've just said, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't trust you in these. I've picked up the burden myself. I'm not willing to carry the burden. You said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened. I was heavy burdened. So I came to Jesus, and I had him put his yoke on me again. I can't carry the burdens, but Jesus can. And he's working it all out. Some of you have been concerned because I have not had an automobile to drive. And it's been six months I've not had a car. And I tell you, I prayed. I cried out to Jesus. And this last week, he brought me a beautiful car. I didn't buy it. It was given freely. And I'm so grateful. (laughs) Jesus did that. And he had a person that I had a broken relationship with. And that person, in their kindness toward me, forgave me. And I've forgiven them and brought me the car. 
Only Jesus could have done that. This wonderful family freely giving a car, not wanting a tax write-off, just wanting to freely give me a car because they believe in me. I don't deserve it. Now, I hope you don't mind. I have to come on this radio broadcast and be brutally honest with you, be absolutely clear about who I am, and I'm not anybody special. I'm just a follower of Jesus, and I love him. And I want you to bring whatever is blocking you, whatever stands between you and Jesus. It could be a list of things that are stealing your joy, or it could be a list of sins that you've engaged in. It could be that you have died in your heart. You've given up hope. It could be that you're in the depths of bondage to some brokenness or some sin. I want to tell you, Jesus is calling you today. And he's saying, let the joy of the Lord be in your heart. Let the joy of the Lord be in your heart. That's what happens when we come to Jesus. He gives us joy. It's a It's a secondary, it's an effect. It's a, it happens when we have Jesus, we have joy. If you don't have joy, you don't have Jesus. There's something standing between you and Jesus. I want you to clear the decks and get to Jesus. Whether it's sin, repent. If it's things that you've let steal your joy, repent of that unbelief. Get back to Jesus today. Well, we're almost out of time today. There are a couple things I need to talk to you about very quickly. One of you very wonderfully last month during our offertory time made a pledge of $700. I have not yet received that pledge. And I'm going to ask, would you be willing to call Drew right now? And would you tell him, that either, yes, I've sent the pledge, or no, I'm not going to be able to send it. My situation has changed. And in that case, then I'll need to come back and do an offertory day again because we're $700 short of being able to cover radio for last month. So would you call Drew right now, 877-534-0780. That's 877 877- Five three four zero seven eight zero, or if you can make a pledge to help cover this seven hundred dollar loss, then would you call Drew and tell him that right now? The phone lines are open, and Brother Drew will be happy to talk with you. He's a very kind, wonderful Christian gentleman. So, if you were unable to keep that pledge, I'd like to hear from you. We're not mad at you things change. And so if you can't keep that pledge, would you call 877-534-0780? If you can keep it and you've mailed it or you will mail it, would you call Drew and tell him that at 877-534-0780? Now we have two minutes left in the broadcast today. I'm going to give you tomorrow a GoFundMe page for a wonderful Christian brother who was working 
He's utterly broken and poor. He was working on a construction site down in a deep ditch. And by accident, a backloader dumped a load of dirt on him and buried him alive. He has been in the hospital. He has not recovered yet. And his family has no money. I'll give you that GoFundMe page tomorrow. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Lord, I pray for every person listening right now. I pray, Lord, that you will deal with the innermost part of their heart, that they would come back if they've lost their first love or if they've lost their joy or if they're walking in sin. Holy Spirit, would you call them right now? Would you call them home? Would you call them to to Jesus? I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Falling and to present you blameless Before the presence of His glory With great joy With great joy To the only God, our Savior Through Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ alone.